When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. Welcome into another edition of the Can't Wait podcast. I am Tim McMaster, uh, along with Athletics beat reporter for the Jets, Connor Hughes and Marissa Morris, our producer. Thanks for tuning in again. The preseason training camp it's all behind us now the final game on friday night now it's on to cuts in the final 53-man roster we're going to get you ready for that there's already been some cuts come across the waiver wire as we record this on monday night if you're tuning in live on youtube the rest of them to come on tuesday we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about who's ready on this jets team for this season to actually start robert sala expectations heading into the year and of course they did add some pass rush since we were last with you in shock shack larson uh connor have you recovered from the golfing incident and the bad caddy yet because i, I guess i just gotta start there P- people who didn't tune in for the end you should go back and listen it was worth it even though we put yeah. it at the end of the show but are, are you okay have you come back down i did i i think what i loved most about that is is it, it seemed like giving the warning and people are going to be on our our you know what's obviously already now that we're not talking jets right from the gun but you know get it's fine this will be how this works yeah so i i did i do think that people enjoyed the uh the warning that we gave everyone of like as we're leading into this thing like hey just so you guys know we're about to not talk jets and we're not going to talk jets for the rest of the show so if you want to leave now's the time to leave i think a lot of people did enjoy that on youtube and it helped them because a lot of the people that didn't want to hear a golf story immediately closed out of their browser and moved on and, and went about their day. But I, what I did crack up is that there was somebody in the comment section and it was so good. It was somebody in the comment section of like, stop listening at 48 minutes. They stop <laughs> talking jets and they put like the little blue so you can like move, I guess, to that point and stop. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, I literally spent 15 seconds saying I'm no longer going to talk jets. Like I thought I gave a warning. I don't think you need to be in the comment section. Like, don't listen after 48 minutes. They don't talk any jets. I'm like, well, I did literally say that was going to be the case. So I, I did get a crack out of that one. But yeah, I, I'm I'm fully recovered from caddy incident 2021. And, and I'm ready now for whatever is uh, to come now moving forward. I'm going to play a couple rounds, obviously, in Denver and, and Charlotte when we're there. So I'm sure there will be more uh, more experiences to, to tell people to stop listening at this point. And then we go into detail on. A lot of people on Twitter, I will say, there were comments that the golf discussion was the best. Was the best? Yeah, they liked it. Yeah, there was plenty of people that said that was really funny, and I it was good. So whatever. Yeah. The rest of you, you know, we talk enough Jets. You know, part of the good part of the show is that you have fun beyond that. So anyway, with that, let's talk about the Jets. Marissa Morris, she's getting a little angry at us. Yeah, as I immediately now cut in here to like not talk about Jets is like anyone who's a, a true like loyal can't wait listener knows what this show is about they come in here every week whether it's live or on spotify apple and everywhere else podcasts are provided as i've tweeted a billion times since we started doing this show they know what this is about they know that we we're going to give you your ton of jets talk your inside information we're going to handle all the jet stuff don't worry about it but then we're also going to go on little rambles and tangents and talk about our personal lives and things like that and like the can't wait listeners enjoy that i think what's funny though is like obviously when we put this on youtube 
anyone who searches Jets, there's a chance this podcast pops up. And you know, obviously you get the trolls that I guess just want to come here and have me verbally spout Jets information for the next like hour or so. And look, that ain't going to happen. So if you don't, if you want a show that's just going to be Jets, 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 Jets. I mean, this ain't going to be the one for you. If you want some Jets talk, some fun talk, some Michael Dunn talk, this is the one for you. No Michael Dunn talk today. Um, all right, let's move on to the Jets now. A uh, lot to get to. Let's start with the rookies that so much is going to be um, thrown on these guys, obviously, and and for them to, to be a huge part of this team. Zach Wilson, heading into his first start as an NFL quarterback, has basically played a half of football, 15 of 20, 191 yards, couple of touchdowns, no picks, 137.7 rating. That's great, but it's against not first-team defenses in games that didn't count. And then you have Elijah Moore. We'll get to that, too, as, as he's obviously just getting back healthy. But, Connor, the Jets knew Zach Wilson was going to be the starting quarterback, obviously, because they didn't bring anybody in to compete with him. Um, but I have to believe they thought he'd get a little stiffer test in the preseason and now you just got to wonder what he's up against in Carolina. Luckily, it's yeah. Carolina. Yeah, you say that. But actually, I think that defense <laughs> is going to be a lot better. I mean, they got some players now. They got Reddick on the outside. Burns is a good player. They drafted that defensive tackle in the first. I mean, that's going to be a it's going to be a challenge for an offensive line that hasn't necessarily looked that great uh, throughout the summer and, and anything that isn't uh, pat or isn't run blocking. Um, but no, I mean, look, I. I Ideally, yeah. In the perfect world, this would have been a normal offseason and a normal preseason for Zach Wilson, where you would have gotten a quarter against the starters in the first preseason game, and then maybe, or a two couple series in the first preseason game, and then maybe a quarter in the second one, and then the dress rehearsal in the third preseason game, where you not only play the entire first half, but you play into the third quarter and you have teams that play their starters. And in that third preseason game, teams did game plan. Like in, in years past, pre COVID, the third preseason game was a dress rehearsal, not just in the sense of you go throughout the first half and into the third quarter, but teams did game plan. I mean, I, it was my go-to story every third preseason week is I would run the what is a cards practice description. And I'd say, oh, this is where the coaches hold up the plays and they run through the plays and the scout team and all that stuff. I mean, it was a game that was as close to a regular season game as you can be to a regular season game without being a regular season game. And COVID kind of changed all that. And I actually talked to Robert Sala about this in one of the press conferences, and I asked him if he felt that having an entire year last year with no preseason games, where no starters played at all, where there was no, obviously starters couldn't play because there were no preseason games. Do you think, if he thought that that may have changed the way that teams moving forward will use the preseason, because that was a year where, some teams were able to have early season success. Some teams were able to stay healthy and they were able to have early season success and stay healthy without having the starters play any preseason games because there were no preseason games. And he said that he thinks, yeah, that may have played a role because you saw some teams have that immediate success. But then he you saw some teams where he pointed the finger right to the 49ers where this team, he was obviously the defensive coordinator of that struggled some and dealt with some injuries because they weren't able to get that football environment and that football atmosphere. And so you're going to see some teams play their starters in preseason games like Salah did. And you're going to have some teams not play their starters in preseason games like other teams did. And, and unfortunately, obviously, that did come at the expense of Zach Wilson because he didn't get a chance to see any real starters. He didn't get a chance to feel a, a starting top tier defensive line pass rush in a game where he knows he can get hit. And I think that maybe hurt him in a little or in some ways, I would say. But again, I mean, we've talked about this over and over and over again. And if the 2019 Jets taught us anything at the end of that year, 
you can only play who lines up in front of you. And based off of who lined up in front of Zach Wilson, he showed you everything that you could have wanted to see from a young rookie quarterback. He made really impressive throws. He looked comfortable. He looked calm. He looked collected. He looked in control. He looked like he had an understanding of the playbook. There were never the rookie mistakes where you're rushing through reads. There were never the rookie mistakes where you're forcing a ball into triple coverage because you got to hitch a little bit, get nervous and then throw it in there. And yeah, he did have perfect protection against second team defensive lines. And yeah, he was throwing to ESPN stats and information had the number that came out there. I mean, he, I don't think he threw to a contested receiver once. I mean, his receivers were running wide open against backup secondaries, but still you can only again play who's in front of you. And, and he passed that test. He passed a lot of tests in, in, in the preseason. And we talked to Connor McGovern today on Monday and he said, look, he's a gamer. And he said, that doesn't mean that Zach Wilson doesn't practice hard. That doesn't mean that Zach Wilson doesn't look good in practice, but when the game starts, when they take the game field, Connor McGovern said that Zach Wilson takes his game to another level. Now, obviously, things are going to get significantly more intense over the next coming weeks when he goes against a Panthers team that has game planned to stop him. They aren't going into a preseason game just trying to run the plays they've been running in practice. They're trying to stop Zach Wilson. They are running plays that are designed to counteract what Zach Wilson does well, and and we're going to see how he does. But as far as what you hope to see as far as what you wanted to see, as far as what you could see Zach Wilson passed every test. And now obviously he's got to do it on the real stage and has to do it for, for real, obviously against uh, some, some top tier competition. Now. I think there's less concern with Elijah Moore because basically this guy showed that he has the potential to be a star before the injury. And he's not the quarterback basically <laughs> more so than that. He's, he's not figuring out a playbook. He's not worrying about a, a better pass rush than he's seen or anything like that. He just has to beat the guy in front of him, get open, make the catch. So I feel like as long as he is healthy, he's going to be fine. Is he actually going to be a hundred percent for, for week one? Well, he's going to play. I mean, I, yeah. I a hundred percent when you're dealing with a, a muscle issue like that, where, where it's kind of a strain or, or something weird along those lines where it's not like, Oh, this is healed now. I mean, you never know how long groins or quads or hamstrings or calves or pectoral muscle, anything dealing with a funky area. You never actually know when you're going to be a hundred percent. It's all about kind of like, okay, we think you're good. Go hundred percent and hope that you don't re-injure it or anything like that. That's what makes all those injuries all tricky. But I think you kind of learned this summer what made Elijah Moore so effective and so dominant when actually he wasn't in those practices because you kind of got spoiled a little bit watching him practice because since OTA, since rookie minicamp really, and then OTAs and then minicamp and then the first week or so at training camp, there was never a day where he didn't do something. You know, it was kind of like, it was honestly how dominant Carl Lawson was on the defensive side of the ball. Elijah Moore was that dominant on the offensive side of the ball. It, it could have been catching a five or 10 yard slant and then racing to the end zone where he outruns the entire defense. It could have been getting behind the defense for a long 30 or 40 yard catch. It could have been just watching him go through individual drills and and one-on-one -on -one drills where he would just the way that he would burn defensive backs or get open against defensive backs i know the jets secondary isn't any good but even just the way he would attack the ball in the air there was never a point where a pass was thrown to elijah moore and elijah moore waited for the ball to get him that ball was in the air and if he, if he had a chance to go back for it or go to it he attacked that ball and you saw how strong his hands were the way that he would reach out grab it and bring it in he was just fun and exciting to watch and when he missed those couple of weeks of practice when he was taken off of the field for those couple of weeks 
practice was suddenly not as exciting. Practice wasn't as um, entertaining. There was a, a legitimate explosiveness that was taken off of the field. And Corey Davis still looked good. And if there was a benefit to Elijah Moore missing time, it was that Zach Wilson and Corey Davis were able to develop a chemistry and a, and a rapport that maybe they weren't able to establish as quickly when Moore was on that out there, because obviously, you know, Zach Wilson was going to Elijah over and over and over again. So he was able to get more on page with him. He was able to get more on a page with Tyler Croft, able to get more on a page with Jamison Crowder as well. But there was certainly a dynamic aspect to this Jets offense that was missing when Elijah Moore left the field. And, you know, I, I look, it's, it's, we haven't seen this guy play a regular season game. We haven't seen him go up against, you know, top tier talented corners. We haven't been able to grant it because he didn't really, pra- he didn't practice against the Packers and, and he obviously didn't do too much against the Eagles either. But you kind of, you can see that there's something different about Elijah Moore. You can see that there is something unique about Elijah Moore. And from talking to people within the Jets building, I mean, they're obviously always going to talk glowingly about their guys and speak highly about their guys. But when you bring up Elijah Moore to them, they don't talk about a player that they think is going to be good. They don't talk about a player that they're really happy to have. They talk about a guy that there is a legitimate, genuine belief within their building that they have acquired a superstar, that they have acquired a game changing player, that they have acquired somebody that is going to be pro that that has pro bowls and all pro appearances in his future. That's the player that they believe they they've, they've gotten. I mean, he is better than expected because they thought they were going to get kind of like a Debo Samuel mixed guy. Who's going to be really good in the slot when they started throwing him outside and he kept making the plays outside, like he did inside. I mean, they've gotten so much more than they, they even believed they were getting with their second round pick and for him to be healthy, which it looks like he is for him to be on the field week one, which it looks like he will be. I personally can't wait to see this guy go. I can't wait to see how he clicks with Wilson and I can't wait to see what he does this year. I mean, I really think that the jets and I I think this because of talking to people over there, I genuinely believe the jets have a game changing player because in my own eyes, I see a guy I'm like, okay, he looks very different than any player I've ever covered. Then you talk to the people in the building who are like, no, we've got a superstar on our hands. And it's like, okay, this guy's going to be fun to watch play. And 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 he's one of the players that as long as they can keep Zach Wilson upright, so Zach Wilson has time to get Elijah Moore the ball, I can't wait to see what he does come the regular season. And and it's going to – he's someone the Jet fans, you're going you're gonna to have your eyes glued to number eight from weeks one through 18. I was thinking um, – the other day, Tim, I said I was going to do this on Twitter and I just kind of forgot to. You know, I'm all about the power rankings, like, you know, press box food power rankings, this power rankings. I do the brief food power rankings with Brian Costello was like very alarmed with like he was very upset that I rate Bree's food. But like it started when she was in college and I was like, I she would ask me, like, what do you want to make? She's an incredible cook. And she was like, what do you want me to make you? And I would forget the things she's made. So it was like a way of me to keep tracking it. And now it's like a big thing in our relationship for the last like five, I don't know, since we were in college, which was like 12, 13, what is breaking the food but i was going to do the uh the uh comment section or uh follower section power rankings based off of like which is the nicest and who are the nicest on the comments yes and i think excluding the live chat like the live chat doesn't count because the people who are involved in the live chat they're like our loyal can't wait aside from like the trolls that come in every now we get like one or two but for the most part like the live chat on this podcast or all the people like the OGs who've been listening forever, people who've come along the way, they're like, Oh, I'm tuning in because I want to listen to the Can't Wait podcast. So I'm not including them. They don't count. They're like, they're they would undeniably be the best. I would say that 
Instagram is the nicest without a doubt. I would say like Instagram, I, I genuinely find that like, if I need a boost, I go and I read the people that comment on my Instagram photos and videos because they are so nice and so kind and so considerate. I would say they're like the best. Then there's like a giant gap because I don't know who's actually nice after that. Twitter has been aggressively angry lately and I don't really know why. Like it is just absolutely mean on Twitter. Like it's bad. But honestly, I think like the people who find us on YouTube and comment on YouTube, I think like YouTube's like, the meanest like the people that comment like on the bottom section like there's a lot of nice people as well but when like the mean section of like the people that are like i'm gonna comment on this to be angry youtube takes the cake like they even twitter like twitter can be pretty vile and angry sometimes youtube will like not only come after me they'll come after my mother they'll come after my father they'll come after like my friends and my family and be like destroy the hughes bloodline don't let them reap like oh, like they are just they are aggressively angry in the YouTube. So I would say like Instagrams are, are can't wait live chats. Number one, followed by Instagrams. Number two, then I would say Twitter. And then the YouTube comment section is like aggressive. And I, I don't remember what like Facebook was like. I had never like, by the time I started doing this job was when Facebook brought in there, like you have to pay to have your stuff seen anywhere. So I never even dabbled in that. I think I have a Facebook page, but I don't I, like aside from my personal one. Like, I think I have like the professional one or whatever, but I never use it. I think you probably find like an old Jets wire story that I wrote up there on that one. I think the reason for that is because uh, Twitter is people that actually follow you for the most part, right? So like, even if they hate you at times, they committed to following you. Whereas YouTube, those comment sections is just a bunch of people that search Jets, came up find with this us. video, and then they're like, oh, well, I can be mean to these people. Yeah, they, they, do, they, yeah. Like, they are so nasty like yeah. they are very mean like and I, I have like i've fired back at a couple of them but like it's almost not even worth like it's like what are these people talking they don't know what they're talking about like oh yeah dude sorry i've only been in every goddamn practice of the summer right what do i know like it's just but they are so mean. and then the, like my favorite is like oh connor says he talks to nfl sources like that means anything like oh, oh he's <laughs> such a blow he's such a blowhard he doesn't even know football he's oh he's he's just saying how he talks to people I'm like i thought that would be beneficial like i thought like the whole point of being a reporter is like you have access to certain things that generally the fans don't. And so like, you know, like I, this isn't like me, you know, talking myself up. Like I have the luxury or the ability to be like, Oh, this is what a coach said, or this is what a scout said to then take that information and relay it to like the fans to be like, if you're curious, this is what coaches say. This is what scouts say. Like, just kind of, here you go. Like this, I think you guys might want this information. And then the YouTube comment section is like, Put that in your no, shove that down your throat. I hate you for that. How dare you tell me this? I'm like, oh my god, like this is just. Whew. I swear, like sometimes, like I read the, I need to stop because. But again, there are some very nice people in there, but a lot of the people are just so mean, and it's like, oh my god, I just need, I need to hide from this. Like it's crazy. But then, like I said, it's it's wild. If I ever need the boost, I just go to Instagram. And I'll just Instagram, read my, it's a oh, happy it's like place. A huge ego. It's like a huge ego. Oh, it's it's fabulous. That is the best way to describe the Instagram comment section. Is it is a fabulous place of just like love and and dandelions and roses and you're dancing through the metal like i love instagram i genuinely now i don't know if it's because i don't have as big of a following so like maybe like the trolls the instagram trolls haven't found me yet but like i please don't find me because i love i love instagram so much at the moment it's really it's near and dear to my heart all right back to the jets uh yeah. 
so so they replace a Lawson with a Lawson. Shaq Lawson comes in. Um, the Jets send a sixth round pick away. They bring in a guy who was just traded for in March, but clearly did not fit in well with the Texans. Wasn't a good fit. Didn't really, um, if anything, he just fell down the depth chart and he became collateral damage and they send him away. But Shaq Lawson at his best can be a good pass rusher. 2019, six and a half sacks, 14 quarterback hits, 19 hurries. Um, obviously last year, the numbers were down a little bit in a new situation in Miami, uh, but he struggled in training camp. Jets hope that a new situation, um, a new scheme will help him. What, I mean, he's, he's not going to be what Carl Lawson was going to be, Connor, but how does he fit in? I mean, he's, he's better than the other pass rushing outside options that they had on the roster. I don't even know if I go that far. I mean, he's going to slide well, in as I their starter. I guess Bryce Huff has looked good, yeah. Right. Yeah, so, like, I mean, he's going to slide in as their starter, and Bryce Huff might eventually supplant him. But Bryce Huff's issue right now is, like, he needs to get better against the, the run. Like, Huff's, like, pretty much he's – I mean, again, Huff was a UDFA last year, so he's still – he's a player with talent and a player that the Jets like, but he is still a developing player, and, and he's not very good against the, the run at the moment. So what the Jets are going to do – is lost Shaq Lawson is now going to replace Carl Lawson on the defensive line where your your um four man front in the base defense is probably going to now be John Franklin Myers at defensive end, Foley Fatukasi defensive tackle, Quinn Williams defensive tackle, Shaq Lawson defensive end. When the Jets then go into their pass rushing front, you can have John Franklin Myers go inside at defensive tackle, Bryce Huff go at the uh, for Foley Fatukasi. So Franklin Myers replaces Foley Fatukasi. You then have Huff replace Franklin Myers, Lawson, and Quinn Williams on the other side. And then Sheldon Rankins is obviously going to rotate in a ton. This was a great trade for the Jets because of what they gave up. So they literally gave up a sixth round pick, which is you know, you're not going to find generally anybody in the sixth round. Right. You, they gave up a sixth round pick for a player that is going to contribute and make somewhat of a difference on Sundays. I mean, if Shaq Lawson goes out there and gets them four or five sacks this year, and say 12 or 13 quarterback hits for a sixth round pick, that's hella return value. But what I would kind of encourage people to pull back a little bit is that when this trade first went down, you would have thought the Jets traded for Lawrence Taylor. I mean, you would have thought that they right. just got like somebody to literally replace Carl Lawson's production. And I reached out to Aaron Rice, who's, who covers the Texans for us, because again, one of the, the cool things about the athletic is that we have a beat writer on every team. So where a Texans person could ask me about uh, the seventh string safety on the Jets and you can give them a scouting report, you can go to the Texans and do the same thing for them. So I asked him about Shaq Lawson and he said that basically he was a guy that was going to get cut this year. He was somebody that the Texans were actively shopping and it was because he had fallen out of favor in the defensive line rotation and basically was making no impact. So Aaron said he was not good in training camp. He didn't generate any pressure in the preseason games that he performed. And I think statistically that was accurate. I think he had 47 pass rush snaps in the preseason and he didn't have a pressure on the quarterback. So from that standpoint, it's like, well, that's not very good. You don't know if he was kind of just in his head that like the Texans are a bad football team. There's all this drama on them with Deshaun Watson. So he was checking out a little bit and then the Jets and Robert Sala can ignite him again. But even if he can't, you're still getting a player who can at least contribute on Sundays, a player who can stuff the run a little bit, get some quarterback hits. He's, he's up there with um, Ndokwe with like the 17th most uh, hits from a defensive end since the 2018 season, I think it is. So he is a player who has been productive before. 
he's not going to do what Carl Lawson did. He's not going to be a top tier defensive end. But again, Joe Douglas dealt a sixth round pick for a player who was going to contribute. And when you look at some of the other players that the Jets could have potentially gone after to fill that Carl Lawson void, uh, you're talking about Dante Fowler from the Falcons. You're talking about Chandler Jones from the Arizona Cardinals. You're talking about Derek Barnett from the Philadelphia Eagles. Those are players that are all respectively valued. Well, for, I'll talk about Chandler Jones and Derek Barnett first. Those are two guys that were are very highly valued by their teams. I know Chandler Jones wants out of Arizona, but Arizona didn't sign J.J. Watt to replace Chandler Jones. They signed him to, for those guys to play together. I mean, they value Chandler Jones quite a bit. The Philadelphia Eagles, although they have Brandon Graham and Josh Sweat's having a hell of a having a hell of a training camp. If you listen to Bo and Zach and and Shiel, um, they are shout out birds of friends. I roll blah blah blah. Can't believe that um, just happened. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I do. I do have to say I'm very sorry to Bo because I think during the joint practice I walked right by him and I didn't say hi. And I he thought it was like an act, like I was pulling a shtick. I really he had a hat on. I did not recognize it. So like, I swear, I said to him, I was like, I swear to God, that wasn't a shtick there. Like, I was not trying to, like, keep this rivalry going. I didn't recognize So that's you. why he attacked you on Twitter. No, I was no, yelling was at him because no, you were, like, that. being nice. You were being the friendly one. Like, hey, go follow them. No, that updates. was before it. That was before oh. that. That was that was before it. But oh. so from a, a Derek Barnett and Chandler Jones perspective, those are two guys that are very valued by their team. So, again, pass rusher is a premium position in the NFL. If you're going to get a productive pass rusher, like a legitimate, a legitimately productive pass rusher, because Barnett has a lot of potential, and Chandler Jones is one of the best in the NFL when he's on, you're going to have to give up. You're going to have to pay a premium. The Jets are at a position with their roster where they don't have players that other teams are really going to want, or at least they're not. They don't have other players their teams are going to want to trade for to give up a premium position. So you're going to have to deal draft picks, and that's just not Joe Douglas's thing. He's not going to give up a second round pick. He's not going to give up a first round pick. And that's what Howie Roseman or the or the Arizona Cardinals are going to want in exchange for Jones or Derek Barnett. When it comes to Dante Fowler, remember, he was a free agent last year. And the Jets had a need for pass rusher last year. And the Jets never made a realistic run at Dante Fowler. So if the Jets didn't make a realistic run when they had a need at pass rusher last year, when they could have gotten Fowler for just money, why would they then trade for the contract that Fowler signed with the Falcons and give up a pick. So I think that was just one that while people connected the dots of like Jets need to pass rusher, Falcons might want Dante Fowler. The Jets had a chance to go get Fowler and they didn't. So they're certainly not now going to trade for the contract he signed plus give up a draft pick to go get him. So that just, that never really made that much sense to me. And then when it came to Chandler Jones and Barnett, like I said, they would have to pay a premium, a premium that Joe Douglas isn't going to be willing to pay. So what do they do? They go and they find Shaq Lawson, a player who, like I said, has been productive before, can still be productive again, is on a very team-friendly deal because all the guaranteed money is gone and is being paid by the, either the Texans or the Dolphins. And then, obviously, the Jets can just insert in there for only a sixth-round pick. And, and it's the sixth-round pick that they got from the 49ers for Jordan Willis. So it, it worked. It filled a little bit of a void. But, I mean, I think that people are thinking, like, oh, the Jets' defensive line is back to as lethal as they were going to be with Lawson. Let's pull that back a little bit because this team still is is – I would say that front now is it's better than it was pre-trade, but in no way, shape, or form is it like, oh, now this is back to being a, a, a group that's going to terrorize opponents on Sundays. I wouldn't say that. So he's actually cheap this year. Next year it goes up nine million, I think. But it's um, all it's all unguaranteed. So they right. That's so that's why I was going to ask you: Is there a chance that a year from now it's Lawson and Lawson, or do you <laughs> think this is just uh, something to get you know reunite the brothers again and, and Lawson yeah. and Lawson, or do you Maybe. think they just you know 
this is it for him to to get them through to hopefully Carl being back. Depends on how he plays. I mean, the Jets yeah. have like a ton of money. Like it, the whole thing is like, right. I hate when people talk about money with the Jets and it's like, oh, they should cut this. Like the whole thing with Crowder, I thought was so silly because it's like, it's money they they don't need to do it. And I know it's the cap holdover, blah, blah, blah. Okay, you're holding over $5 million, So, okay, you're going to have, you know, $105 million next year to spend as opposed to $100 million to spend. Like they, they have the money. So if Lawson goes out and plays really well and he, you know, has say five and a half sacks or six and a half sacks next year. Yeah. Why not bring him back? I mean, you saw what, what, uh, solid did with the 49ers when he had everyone, Armstead, Buckner, Thomas, uh, um, uh, who was, uh, the dude they traded for from the chiefs, uh, Ford Bosa. Like they had all of these guys they could rotate through. So why not bring him back if, if you've got the money? But no, I, I would think that this was done pretty much with like a, a bandaid fix of like, we need a player, uh, this is a guy we don't have to give up much to get. He's been productive, so let's bring him in, and it's not going to cost us too much money, and, and we'll see what we can't get out of him. But I wouldn't. I don't think it would. They brought him in like, oh, we're going to keep him for next year. They have that luxury if he's under contract if he plays well. But odds are, I would say no. Um, I do want to move on to the roster, but um, real quick, and we'll get. I think we'll get in more Robert Sala and what to expect in the season and break down what he's done so far as we get closer to the opener here because we still have a few shows before then, but. Just grading. Give me a grade on Robert Sala so far as head coach of the Jets, Connor. Um, I have no idea. He hasn't done anything yet. No, you know, <laughs> he's not no, out of game. You can't so, grade I mean, yeah. training camp and and how hey, he's no, kind of no. Handled. Honestly, and I'll be totally honest with you, man. I can't because okay. Yeah, like like, and here's I'll explain it to you. Like so, like yeah, it looks like this was a good. You game, could give right? him an incomplete. That's a grade. Hey, right? Oh, look at that. There you go. Incomplete. I, I guess you can do that. Yeah, there you go. Incomplete. Like, I guess that would be. And the only reason I say that is it's this isn't a criticism on Salah. This isn't like it's weird that I've never seen the Jets run laps. Like, there's been things that are like there are things he's done throughout. So he's not Joe Judge is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, far away or not. Like, there's been so much less screaming. There's been no penalties. There's been like penalty. Uh, I mean, like penalizing players for doing things wrong. There's been no screaming. There's been no penalizing. There's been no running or push-ups or like it's it's been a much more laid back spa like training camp and like that's different and it's unique and like you can say oh that's different and unique it's awesome but also if the jets now go into week one and they are gassed and they are uh committing penalties just because they're undisciplined and they're more relaxed and laid back like it's like okay well clearly it didn't work and then they start oh and eight and it's like well they needed to be more prepared. Like you needed to light more of a fire under their ass than you did. It's like, okay, then it's a, it was a bad camp, but on the reverse of it, if the jets like, no, this is like the good way to do it. And Sal is not reinventing the wheel, but like, okay, this is a completely new approach that really resonated well with these players and the jets start well, and maybe they don't win a ton of games, but they're competing and they're in it. And the young guys are developing. There's so much teaching. Then you can go like, boom. Okay. It worked. But like, it's so hard to grade a camp. Like it, I can tell you, it is very. It was a very different camp than what I saw under Todd, and it was a very different camp than what I saw underneath Adam. But I don't necessarily know if difference going to work or not because we just haven't played any games yet. So I, it's just it's so hard to grade it. But I will say that the one thing that I was very impressed with, and the thing that I I think is the better way to approach, and what I'm I'm very uh, encouraged with with Sal is I love the whole teaching, not yelling that this is the first camp where I haven't seen people screaming and yelling at players. Like there was at one point where I remember I, I listened to Greg Williams just 
borderline degrade a player for making a mistake in front of fans. Like it was like it was in the the first first training camp, and a corner made a mistake, and he was just viciously almost like bullied him, like with the way that he he chastised him in front of fans and his teammates. And I was like, that's just mean. Like it's not funny. It's not like humorous. It's like it's somebody not- on Twitter. Yeah, seriously, it was like the YouTube comment section basically is what Greg Williams did. And I was like, that doesn't work. And when I saw Sala, that one clip of him in the 49ers where he's like screaming, yelling after that goal line stop, I was like, oh, I was like, is this going to be like Greg Williams 2.0? And then immediately once you meet him, you realize, no, that's not the case. And and I remember he dropped that quote of like, I don't believe in butt chewings. I believe in, in teachings. And seeing him carry that through throughout camp, I like that a lot. We're like, when a player makes a mistake, he pulls them aside and teaches them. When a player screws up, he pulls them aside and he teaches them. When he pulls them aside, he explains what went wrong and how you can get better. I personally think that's the better way to go to battle. I personally think that's the right way to do things. But also, I now need to see like, okay, let's see it now in the regular season. Let's see it it carry over and, and the benefit of it in the regular season. Because until they play, I mean, at the end of the day, it's wins and losses. And doesn't matter if he's nice. It doesn't matter if it, you know players love playing for him. If they don't win, he's not going to be here in two years. So you know, it's it's about seeing it carry through. So I, I want to hold hold judgment until I see the team play and compete and hopefully win some games. Um, but it's it's encouraging at times. It, it's it's been a more encouraging camp, I think. All right, let's get into the roster, Connor. Um, you have a good story up on the Athletic breaking it down um, as well. If people are subscribers, if you're not a subscriber, you they should subscribe. be. And you should go to theathletic.com slash can't wait. You can save 50% off a subscription right now for the next year. So get all that great content. All right, I let's start at the story. quarterback. What's that, Connor? Going to that, I have a real quick funny story. So this isn't actually even a long story. I got a, I tweeted out that 53-man prediction after the game. And somebody commented, is there any way I can read this without paying? I was like, dude, that's not how a subscription site works. I was like, no, that's not. No, you can't do that. You can subscribe for like, I don't know what it costs to subscribe to The Athletic anymore. It keeps changing. But like, I'm sure you can find a promo code because you got a billion that always are running. You know, you got one at the bottom of the screen right now. Athletic.com slash can't wait. You should know that. 50%. Oh, wow. We got 50% off now. It was like 30% two weeks ago. Right. You could have replied with that code and you could have, we, you know. Yeah, we get we all you know get credit also, for that. Then I was gonna say, Marissa, for the next podcast, we're gonna. I don't know how good your Photoshop skills are or whatever, but oh, we should do good. a. Uh, are they really? So, oh, yeah. all right, so make like a um a graphic that's like a um non Jets rant or non Jets tangent coming, and then like as you can tell, one of us is about to go off topic and like to just drop that. Whoa, whoa, whoa! And, like, bring it up. One of us. <laughs> one of us. <laughs> I. We're a team, right? Aren't we? When I rant, we all. Like it's like I was kind of like bring that up, like it'll just be a little flashing, like warning, warning. All right, going you got it, you got yeah. it. I'm not ready for the next one. A Connor Photoshop is coming, yeah. coming your way very soon. There we go, Connor. Get ready <laughs> for the 2020 21 preseason production meeting that we're gonna have to to roll out all the new stuff. So get ready. For that. <laughs> right, we bring in a bunch of new stuff. Anyway, let's let's get back to the roster, right? Uh, so yes. quarter, we'll start a quarterback. Um, and obviously Zach Wilson, Mike White. The interesting thing here, right, is James Morgan, a fourth round pick a year ago. Yeah, his draft a year ago doesn't look too hot, to be honest with you. Um, but I go back and forth with um James Morgan a lot because I'll be honest with you, like I know everyone's like I, I always tell people to like kind of 
calm it down some and bring it back some where it's like, all right, let's relax. Let's breathe. Let's like, let's, let's kind of take it a little bit easier on the fourth preseason game. Cause generally like the roster, all but three or four positions is solidified entering that fourth preseason game. So what James Morgan did like that game, yeah, he made a couple really nice throws, but he also did not look good in OTA's mini camp or training camp. So I just find it hard with some of these other positions that the Jets have where like you have guys that are injured that you need to keep on the initial 53 before in- placing them on the IR to then have them come back on the short turn on IR. I mean, there's going to be guys that the Jets need to cut that then they want to bring back to the practice squad to then activate to the regular seat. Like it's th- there's going to be some roster gymnastics on this initial 53 that the Jets are going to have to go through. And I find it hard to see James Morgan making the initial 53, or I would not keep James Morgan on the initial 53, considering some of the other moves you have to make. And then those other moves that you have to make are going to like, it's yes, I would cut James Morgan easily here. Uh, same with Josh Johnson. And one of the big reasons is because I don't think anyone else is going to claim Morgan on the waiver wire and you'll be able to put him on your practice squad. And then when say you end up injured, reserving, Ryan Griffin, or you end up injured reserving Michael P. Ryan to then, or Lamical Perun, as, as Stephen A. Smith liked to call him the other day. Uh, when you end up injuring, in, putting him on the short term IR, you can bring James Morgan back up or something like that. So he's the first surprise for me on the the cut that previewing. And now, obviously, I do want to preface this real quick. Uh, we are at doing this show live. So if anything randomly comes out or anything randomly breaks at the moment, let us know in the comment section because we're doing this at the moment. So in the previewing of what is to come on Tuesday, I think James Morgan ends up getting cut. Josh Johnson ends up getting cut because both those guys, not Josh Johnson, but James Morgan, they can sneak through and get on the practice squad. All right. On to the next. I thought you were going to keep going there. Sorry. Sorry. Good. <laughs> All right. Running backs. Uh, who stays, who goes? Obviously, they have a nice collection now, which means odd man out. Could be a guy, right, who has, who has flashed at times in Josh Adams. Yeah, and, and the one that I'm I'm a little interested with, and, and I will say this about Sala, because we were asking about grading. I'm gonna give him a D when it comes to injury reading or something like that, because he is not, and this is all coaches, but he hasn't been super honest with us when it comes to his injury prognosis. And and maybe that's because he just doesn't want to be, which I understand coaches are always like that. You know, Elijah Vera Tucker was day-to-day. He sat out all the training camp. Denzel Mims was day-to-day. We haven't seen him in two weeks. And Lamichael P. Ryan's the most recent one who's dealing with that foot injury, who you know, Salah said, oh, I'm not worried about him. I'm not worried about him. I'm not worried about him. He wasn't even the rehab area today. We haven't seen him since he suffered the injury. I mean, he's just not even on the field, which kind of like, you know, puts a little light bulb that kind of like mm, something might be off there. But Tevin Coleman, Mike Carter, Ty Johnson, those guys obviously are roster locks, in my opinion. Trevon Wesco is a guy that not too many people are talking about. He has remarkably improved from his first two years with the Jets. He's really kind of embraced that hybrid fullback tight end role. And he's ha- he had a great training camp had a pretty good preseason he's somebody that's going to have a role I don't know if it's going to be as involved as the fullback was in San Francisco so I don't think he's as he's as talented as that situation but he's somebody that don't sleep on because he's had a pretty good camp so Coleman Carter Johnson I think make it I have Josh Johnson or Josh Adams I'm sorry getting cut right now but the P Ryan situation is one that I'm not totally vibing with at the moment and I could very well see P Ryan landing on the injured reserve being done for the year potentially depending on how this thing goes and then Josh Adams making it. But right now, uh, if I had to gun to my head kind of tick, I'd say Tevin Coleman, Mike Carter, Ty Johnson, and P Ryan all make it along with Wesco. And then Josh Adams gets let go. And all again, right, so I know the, everyone's like, Oh, we had a great, you know, we had a great fourth yeah. preseason game. But again, like 
you're not going to keep six running backs. And the Jets do, again, they invested a draft pick in P. Ryan, and they like him as more of that physical back. So we'll see what happens. I think the player that, if cut, would really make Jets fans probably the most upset as far as these cuts go is wide receiver, right? And Braxton Berrios, if they can't find a way to keep him on. Also, like, I feel like Berrios, if he is cut, doesn't get through waivers. But what do you think? No. No, I agree with you. See, so that's my, so my six wide receivers that I have making. So I've got uh, just off the quick, my initial quarterbacks, I have Zach Wilson, Mike White making it running backs, Tevin Coleman, Mike Carter, Ty Johnson, P Ryan, and then Wesco. And then for receivers, this is one of those where, again, you can keep six, you can keep seven, you can keep eight. You got to figure it out. But again, the Jets have so many of these randomly injured guys who are not seasoning any season ending injured players so you have to keep them on the initial 53 because they have to make the initial 53 to qualify for the short-term injured reserve where they can come back in three weeks. So to do that, I kind of find it hard to see how you can keep more than six receivers. And the six receivers that I have making this roster right now are Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Jamison Crowder, and Keelan Cole. All four of those guys, in my opinion, are roster locks. Then I have Denzel Mims and Vincent Smith. Vincent Smith has been running with the second team offense, occasionally with the first team offense throughout training camp. When you then saw him working as a kick returner in that preseason game against the Eagles and as a gunner in making plays as a gunner against the, uh, the New York giants, that shows you that they're valuing him both as a receiver speed threat where he made plays, then valuing him on special teams where he can play both as a gunner and as a, a, a kick returner as well. Braxton Berrios is among the receivers that I have cut. I had Braxton Berrios, Lawrence Cager, who obviously was cut already today, DJ Montgomery and Jeff Smith, who just didn't make as much of an impact as he as I thought he would have throughout this summer. I thought he actually could have made the roster earlier in camp. He obviously did not. With Berrios, the problem is, is what are you keeping him for? And he cannot play outside receiver. He can only play slot. Elijah Moore and Jamison Crowder are both slot receivers that are ahead of him on the depth chart. Yes, Braxton Berrios is an effective punt returner. The Jets also have Elijah Moore, Jamison Crowder, Keelan Cole, and Mike Carter, who can all return punts. So where is the value in keeping Barrios? I know players, I know fans like him. I know he's reliable. I know he's a solid punt returner, but just I don't see how you can keep him on the 53. And you're right. He's going to get cut, and he's probably going to get claimed by somebody. Somebody who needs a slot receiver or a punt returner is going to pick him up. He might go back to the Patriots. You never know. But I just have a hard time seeing him make this roster because he's going to be your third team slot receiver. And there are four guys who are potentially more dynamic punt returners ahead of him. And and when you can't really make it as the punt returner and you can't really make it as the slot receiver, what are you keeping them for? If they could keep seven receivers, yeah, keep them. But I think the Jets are going to have issues elsewhere where it's going to be a little hard to get him get him uh, get him a spot on that first fifty three. Kevin Fish, our Bears reporter, jumping into the chat today. Nice, nice to see uh, a friendly face in there. Um, all right, as we move down the roster. We go from receiver to tight end. We talked about James Morgan, um, the heroics of the third preseason game. Well, Kenny Aboa was on the other end of that Hail Mary, uh, and it seems like he's probably an odd man out too. Yeah, and, and again, this is one where I've, I've kind of gone back and forth on, but for the tight ends right now, I have the Jets keeping three. It's Chris Herndon, Ryan Griffin, who was doing significantly more in the rehab area today. The Jets like him because he's a reliable player. He was also having – I know – you know, he's a little overpaid, but he was having a really nice training camp. And then Tyler Croft as well, who you saw develop some chemistry with Zach Wilson in the preseason. So Herndon, who I don't think they're going to cut, Ryan Griffin and Tyler Croft. Dan Brown obviously is going to get cut. Kenny Yaboa, he had a hell of a preseason uh, finale against the Eagles with the four catches, 100 yards, two touchdowns. Those four passes were like the first passes that he didn't drop this summer. I mean, he struggled. Right 
in training camp. I mean, he struggled with drops. He struggled with route running. He struggled with blocking. I know fans only get that little glimpse of what he did in that preseason game. But again, like we saw him throughout the summer and he didn't make those same plays. So I find it hard to believe they keep him on the 53 when you're going to get more week one through 18 production out of Herndon, who, yeah, he struggled to make a difference as a, as a receiver, but he's an above average run blocker and, and, and pass blocker as well. Ryan Griffin get pass blocking. He's a reliable receiver. Tyler Croft, obviously you saw develop a chemistry with Wilson. So Yoboa, I know it's going to make some fans panic. Like, oh my God, they're going to cut him. They're going to cut him. Like, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I mean, the Jets were a two and 14 football team that struggled some throughout training camp and is probably only going to win four or five games this year. There aren't too many players that they cut tomorrow who are going to get claimed by teams off the waiver wire. I mean, teams are going to pick the carcass of top tier football teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, like the Kansas City Chiefs. They're going to go to teams that are 13, 14, 15 win football teams and pick that carcass because the guy that gets cut on that team can start on a team like the Jets. They're not going to pick the Jets carcass when if you're getting cut from a football team that's probably only going to win four or five games this year, you're probably not going to make that much of a difference on another team that's trying to make a, a run at a potential playoff or Super Bowl. So Yaboa, in my opinion, the Jets can cut, get through waivers and put on their practice squad. I mean, he's absolutely going to be somebody they try to put in the practice squad, but it's tough to see him making that initial 53-man roster, especially when you consider the fact that Wesco, who was also their kind of pseudo fullback, can also play the tight end as like that fourth tight end spot. So I know people are all up in arms after what they saw him do in that preseason game against the Eagles, but I have a, a pretty hard time seeing Yaboa make the 53. The offensive line feels pretty set. Any potential surprises there? No, I have obviously Becton, Vera Tucker, McGovern, Van Roten, Moses, and Fant. All those guys are set. Uh, I had Dan Feeney and Chuma. I have Dan. I originally on this 53-man roster that I had made right after the game, I had Feeney, Corey, Le- uh, Corey Levin, and Chuma Adaga all making the 53. Obviously, Corey Levin's been cut already, so we're going to see who ends up taking a spot, or the Jets could also just go with eight linemen. But I think Feeney is a lock. I think Adaga makes the first 53 and then lands on the short-term injured reserve, and then the Jets can either bring someone back or activate him. But as far as those who cut, I had Connor McDermott landing on the injured reserve. I think he, this is something where he's going to have to deal with this throughout the year. I think it's going to be tough to keep him on the first 53, but maybe the Jets do something with him like they did with Brent Quale a couple of years ago. Uh, Jimmy Murray, David Moore, Isaiah Williams, Parker Ferguson, Grant Hermans, and, and Teton Saltes were the other guys that I had the Jets cutting as well. I would keep an eye potentially on David Moore making it now that Corey Levin has been cut uh, and potentially also Jimmy Murray, somebody who the Jets seem to value as, as working in there when some of their other guys went down. All right, switching over to the defense, similar situation, I think, with the D-line, right, where it's it's kind of what we expected heading into training camp. Yeah, the one surprise that I had, so I, I have the Jets keeping nine defensive linemen right now. John Franklin Myers, Sheldon Rankins, Quinn and Williams, Bryce Huff, Ronnie Blair, uh, Hamilcar Rashid, not Rashid Hamilcar, Jabari Zuninga, Nathan Shepard, and Foley Fatukasi. Zuninga is another sim- similar situation where I have him making the initial 53-man roster, then landing on the injured reserve because, I mean, he's got a, a basically a leg brace right now that looks like the leg of like Iron Man. Like, I mean, he has a full brace on that knee. But again, people are like, oh, they'll cut him, they'll put him on the injured reserve. I don't think Joe Douglas is willing to do that with a player he drafted as early as he did last year. So he's somebody that I think makes that first 53, then lands on the injured reserve, and the Jets try to activate him at some point. As far as those who stay on, I have Kyle Phillips remaining on the pup list. Obviously, Adeo and Velaga. I think they'll both go. Tanzel Smart as well I have getting cut. The one player that's a little bit of a surprise that I have getting cut, 
who I go back and forth on is Jonathan Marshall. And he's the draft pick, the sixth round pick. He flashed a little bit. But the one thing I go back to is like, it's hard to imagine a GM cutting a draft pick. But I could see Marshall as somebody that the Jets cut, put in their practice squad, then bring him back to the roster once they put some of these guys on the injured reserve. And again, for Marshall to not land on the Jets practice squad, like to clear waivers, land on practice, somebody has to sign him to their 53-man roster. What team is going to use a, a roster spot on a player like Jonathan Marshall who's not going to play weeks one through 18. Like it, it doesn't make sense. Again, this guy was a sixth round pick. It's not like he was a second or a third rounder. So all these teams passed on him anyway. If you're going to sign him, you're going to have to, having not seen him, put him on your 53. It just, it seems odd to me. So I could see Marshall making the 53. I could also see him cutting in the Jets, trying to get him through waivers. We'll see how that happens. But he's the one that I would keep an eye on because I don't totally know how that one's going to go. But again, there's so many positions here where it's like okay nine defensive linemen but Zuninga is somebody who's going to make the first 53 knowing he can't play so he's going to land on the it's all that confusingness and some gymnastics that the Jets gonna have to work through over these next uh, 24 hours yeah it's the thing we keep going back to about this Jets team yeah. though is like teams aren't checking to see who the Jets cut because yeah. they just don't yeah. um yeah Barrios is the one guy I mentioned but all right outside linebacker um you have Gerard Davis Hampson uh, I'm not even gonna say it Blake Cashman Noah Dawkins staying Delshawn Phillips, the one cut. Yeah, I have him keeping four outside linebackers. Jared Davis, obviously, is a guy who's going to make the first 53. He's out until week six, so he'll then be put on the injured reserve, and, and they'll activate him when he's healthy. But I think that'll give them the guys that they wanted. Blake Cashman's one who could be a potential surprise cut. If the Jets want to, again, keep Jonathan Marshall, I can see them cutting Blake Cashman and doing that kind of gymnastics and making that work in a way, because a lot of the times you're only going to play two linebackers. It's going to be either Sherwood or Hamza, and C.J. Mosley. Mosley's not coming off the field, so you just need one guy next to him because the majority of the time teams are in their nickel defense anyway. Um, I don't think there's any surprise there. I think those are all guys that can contribute some. I think Cashman can play special teams. I think Cashman can also play inside linebacker and outside linebackers. We'll see how that one shakes up, but I don't think there were any too many surprises there with that prediction. All right, inside linebacker. We're, we're, I'm picking up the pace here. Yeah, no problem. Yes, yeah, we've been going for a minute. Uh, CJ Mosley, Jamie and Sherwood, those are the two inside linebackers I have the Jets making. Obviously, if you want to call Cashman an inside linebacker, that's fine too, but uh, no surprises there as well. All right, Michael Dunn's been waiting for this moment. Cornerback, will Isaiah stay or go? I don't. So I have this again, this is another tough position, but I have the Jets keeping just six corners. So I have Bless Austin, Bryce Hall, Gidry, Carter, Eccles, and Pinnock, obviously the two draft picks making it. I then have Isaiah Dunn, Lamar Jackson, who was already released, and Zane Lewis getting cut. Uh, Isaiah Dunn is somebody that I believe ends up on the practice squad. I mean, look, the Jets have so many issues at cornerback. Nobody's going to claim Dunn and put him on their 53-man roster. It's not going to happen, which means you can get him through the practice squad and put him on the – or get him through the waiver wire and put him on the practice squad. So I don't think there's going to be too many surprises. Maybe the Jets at keep a seventh corner and Dunn's that seventh corner and, and they cut somebody else elsewhere, but – I have them keeping six corners, and I have it as Austin Hall, Gidry, Carter, Eccles, and Pinnock, as I said. All right, safety. Yeah, so I Marcus Marcus May, LaMarcus Joyner, Neesman were the initial three that I had. The Jets obviously activated Ashton Davis off the pup list. So that could mean that Neesman does not make the 53-man roster. Other than that, the guys that were gone, Bennett Jackson, Hassel, Hampton, Hassel's already been caught, Elijah Campbell. Um, are the guys that I had let go as well. Ashton Davis, again, I didn't think, I thought he was going to start the season on the pup list so the Jets could ramp him up. He was activated today, so he's going to be ready to go 
or could be ready to go week one, although he could be inactive. I mean, he's going to need a ramp up period. He hasn't practiced since last year, uh, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens there. But having him back is going to be I'm very curious to see how he plays and, and the role that the Jets use him in, because he's a very, very athletic player. And, and I'm I'm. I think there's going to be a lot of three safety looks from the Jets this year, and I'm, I'm curious to see how they use Davis once he's ready to go. It's been in the chat a lot, but we get to special teams, and the big news is that the Jets may have found a place kicker. Yeah, I like Matt Am- Amendola, man. I really do. I, I think that he, uh, I think he's somebody that has a strong leg, accurate, and seems to be thriving a little bit now that he's been given that Jets job. So. At this point, look, Joe Douglas has wanted a young kicker that he can develop, somebody that he can watch groom and grow. And, and I think Amendola gives him that. So in my opinion, yeah, I think Amendola is the kicker. I think he makes the roster. And, and I, I would roll with him over somebody else who you haven't seen every single day. And, and you keep him with, obviously, Braden Mann and Thomas Hennessy who's going to make it. And then Justin Hardy as well, who the Jets signed as kind of their ace outside special team or gunner. So I have those guys as the uh, the making it. And I, I, I previously was on the board of, you know, the week one kicker wasn't on the roster after watching Amendola and camp in these preseason games uh, and the joint practices. I think that I think he's going to be the guy and he's going to make it and, and we'll see. We'll see how he does in camp. I mean, he's got a cannon for a leg. So, I mean, he certainly extends the field a bit for where the Jets can score from. Yeah, he has looked legit throughout the preseason. That's for sure. All right. I think that sums it up. What do you think? You're going to bat a thousand here when the uh, the actual cuts come through tomorrow? I do not. No, probably not. But I, I do feel confident. I think I can get maybe like I would say I think I can get. 48 or 49 of them right. I, I think I, I feel pretty confident after watching camp that this is what we'll do. But, you know, I think we're going to be back, what is it, Wednesday or Thursday or something like that to, to recap all this roster and, yeah. and start pointing forward for the year. So I'm kind of curious how, how I'll do. We'll see. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Like you just said, we will be back later this week with another one. We'll head full speed ahead to week one against the Carolina Panthers. That's going to do it for this episode of the Can't Wait Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.